0: Careless Crow, what does Brad Crouch's latest off-field incident do to his trade worth? Sandover Surprise, Sam Fisher becomes the first Black Duck since previous guest Andrew Cracker to take home WA Football's most prestigious award. Business End, ex-Bombers defender Courtney Dempsey joins us with the AFL Finals and Waffle Grand Final insight This week on the Centre Square Podcast.
1: declare the winner of the 2019 Brownlow medal Nathan Park
0: Welcome back to the Centre Square Podcast, a busy period on 91.3 Sport FM, your football headquarters, as we preview week one of the AFL final series. Would have been the same cast as last week, bringing you all the action, Ethan Roth, myself. Um, Noah Tonkin to lay it out, but Bray Love is still here. Bray, uh, how'd you enjoy the weekend? Interested to know how you got your footy fix in with no games?
1: Yeah, well, we had heaps of footy, local footy on uh, every day of the weekend, so got that. But yeah, missing the... Uh afl of course but that's all back this weekend Mm.
0: of course the waffle grade final was this sunday down at Fremantle community bank Oval between the tigers and the bulldogs which we'll take a look at and the first swan districts player since andrew cracker previous guest of course in 2010 to take on a Sandover medal sam fisher he caused an upset on monday night 13 votes was enough in the end for the former city swans rookie um who wasn't really in any of the xbox Experts top five prior, um, but yeah, it was an exciting finish on the live stream. I think you were watching, I was as well.
1: Yeah, it was actually Tuesday night. Tuesday night, that yeah. That uh, but yeah, it was pretty Sorry, cool. Monday. It's usually on Monday. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember looking at the leaderboard. I think it was after the first two or three rounds, and Sam Fisher was about fourth, I think, at the mm-hmm. stage. Marston was ahead of him. I know that he was definitely above, but I was like, oh, forgot about Sam Fisher. It's a sneaky chance. He's been getting 25-plus disposals just about every week for Swan Districts. And, yeah, as time went on, he got more votes and then he finished top. Uh,
0: Yeah, I thought Jackson Ramsey was going to get it. But he got two. I'm surprised he got two in the last game. He had 35 disposals and only only got the two. I thought Jai Bolton would be up there as well. Yeah, he only Um, finished like
1: six, I think, Jai Bolton.
0: And Aaron Black as well. And Chris Marston, he would have won it if he played, I think, every play. He came fourth. And he only played half the season in yep. a nine-game season.
1: Yeah. Um. Of course, he broke his thumb. Yeah. Still got nine votes. Mm. So was that was it three three vote games
0: or? Mm. Yeah. He got he got three in one of them. Yeah. Um.
1: But yeah.
0: He uh yeah b- broke broke his thumb and um. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be a normal episode without a special guest joining the crew. So in case you do not know, uh, Courtney Dempsey, former Eston defender of 133 games, will give us that company a little later on. But um. Bray, you'll take over now with the the from the last few days.
1: Yeah, well, there's been a bit of news in the AFL world um, with no games on on the weekend. But first of all, we've got Brad Crouch uh, caught with illicit drugs with an with an incident with Tyson Stengel. This could ruin his uh, trade price, I guess, uh, as he will most likely leave the Crows this year, or this off season. And Port Adelaide are reportedly in the hunt for him for a price up to eight hundred K. That he could go. He's not
0: worth that. I'm sorry. Eight hundred K for Parade Crouch. Good player. Yeah. Twenty six years old, he's in his prime but not worth eight hundred. k. he's demanding that as well. He really <laughs> from what my I've heard he's he's really wanting that money and thinks he deserves it.
1: Yeah. Now the buy round hurts teams who win their qualifying finals, they play one game in twenty five, twenty six days. Due to the due to another week off, although people could focus on junior local footy, but there is no need for it. Mm.
0: Yeah, if they they could have, I know Jonathan Brown was saying if they want to have a week off, they could have it with the week before the AFL Grand Final, um, and then they could in nah, that
1: that week. Like that. Um, you're waiting too long for the big mm. game.
0: I'm I'm not a fan of it. If you have a bite like a week off any any day,
1: look any game. I'm a fan of it, but you need to have some sort of entertainment on that weekend. Mm. Like, they have the EJ yeah. Witten Legends game and they have, like, an AFLW all game. Obviously, yeah. this year, you couldn't do it, mm. but you need to have some sort of entertainment yeah. on uh, in the AFL world on the weekend. And John- well, I was actually thinking a couple of years ago, have, like, all the teams that didn't qualify play just, like, round robin yeah, well, games.
0: well, Jonathan Brown was saying you could throw some, like, wild cards in. Like, I'm not sure what he, like, exactly means by that, but I think, like, a couple of teams outside the eight to, like, play either in exhibition games or, like, a yeah. game that could maybe throw them into, like, the finals race or something.
1: Yeah, even, like, a playing game or yeah. something like they do in the NBA, what well, they mm. did this year in the NBA, so... you got the NBA like on right now. <laughs> yeah, well... The finals. Big, big finals series. Uh, but the All-Australian Selectors... Uh, we said last week about the 40-man squad and some omissions from that, uh, but we're having a crack at this week for picking midfielders in the forward line, mm. such as Dustin Martin, Patrick Danielfield, Marcus Bontepelli. And people who play in that forward line in an actual season and dominate have missed out, such as Butler was one. Yeah, but Papley. Papley, yep. Like, feel bad for those guys. Yeah.
0: And Dustin Martin, 46% in the forward line, Dangerfield 30%, and Bontepelli 14%. Not, they're not even playing, like, majority of their time forward.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. I know
0: they're damaging when they go down there, but I think they just got to keep it... single keep, you know, put forward players in the forward half.
1: Yeah, and I saw a... what's called spin round on Fox Footy. Is that what mm. it's called? Speed round. Oh, speed but round, but the, that's yeah. yeah, that's it. Speed round, my bad. But uh, one of the topics was, where should Geelong play Patrick Dangerfield in the finals? And uh, I think it was... Nick Del Santo was the one saying he should play in the midfield. And apparently he's uh he's got more goal assists than he has scoring shots this year, Patrick Danefield, and that's from playing in the midfield. So you yeah. You gotta chuck him, him in the midfield. Yeah. Especially when the game's on the line.
0: You you gotta put him in the midfield.
1: Yeah, exactly. So And there plus I think it was there was one game in the season where they were sort of getting dominated in the midfield. As soon as they chucked him in the midfield, they came back, kicked yeah. a couple of goals and won the game. So, obviously, he's way more dominant. Yeah, than that's his
0: position is a midfielder. Yep. But um, we'll jump to the tips now. We're not only going to select our winners um, as we start for the finals again on level peggings, um, but we'll remind you of some key stats and, and talking points from each game. So, tonight, Port Adelaide versus Geelong at Adelaide Oval. Um, Port Adelaide Inns Ryan Burton, Tom Cleary, Zach Butters. Uh, out goes youngsters Woodcock, Leonette, Lionette, and Bonner, who were all dropped. Um, as for Geelong, Ray Stanley and Tom Atkins come in. Radigale and Jack Stephen go out. They're interesting uh yeah, Two big, big outs, though. Especially Radigalia. I think yeah. um, he can help out St- I know Stanley's coming in, but I think Darcy Fort is their other Ruckman. Um, the talking point. So it's a big week for Tom Jonas. Hawkins, he bowed six in a ten goal building last time they met. Uh Geelong, they've only won four of their last nineteen finals. And it may prove if Chris Scott's first-year flag in 2011 you know, was fully through his coaching or if he was just fortunate um, of what he stepped into. And Gary Rowan, he has to step up to He averages only five disposals in finals from his time at the Swans and now the Cats. So who are you going to go for this one?
1: Believe What's it on? or not, I'm going to go with Geelong for this one. I just think they, they they look pretty good, but then Port Adelaide, they haven't had too many good results against top eight Mm. sides so I'm going to go with Geelong
0: yeah I'm going to go with Geelong as well they got a heap of finals experience and I think there's been a bit of talk of them um, if they don't win the Premiership this year there's going to be like a rebuild after that because of their ageing list so I think they're going to be very very desperate to send the likes of Ablett on a high Um, and Cal has gone Geelong and Luca and Noah have gone Port Adelaide there you go so, Friday, Brisbane versus Richmond at the Gabba. Um, it was the exact same fixture last year, second versus third, with the Tigers booking a home preliminary final. Brisbane are a year older and more mature, though, and with Tom Lynch going out with a hamstring, that could work in the Lions' favour. Um, they haven't beaten Richmond since 2009, I believe, um, so, you know, it could be an ask to break that in a final, so... Yeah, this, this
1: is this is another. This is this game and the St Kilda Dogs game and the games that are, I'm really not sure about. Because um, Brisbane, they they've been playing so well at the Gabba mm. this year with the crowd. Obviously, they're the only one of the only teams with a home crowd. But um, yeah, to be honest, I might I might back in the Lions here. I'm gonna back them in. They're gonna they they want that home premiership. Mm. So, they're going to go out more harder and feistier than ever.
0: And I think the Richmond players are going to target Lockie Neal. Um, They're going to make his hard work. Harris Andrews is in, isn't he? Yeah. Um, They're going to make hard work of it for Lockie Neal. He's won so many awards. The perfect season, basically. Almost won about every individual award last week. Um, I'm going to go Richmond. I think when it comes to finals, they're they're obviously a powerhouse. Uh, They just take it to another level in finals. And I think they, they're going to get the job done. Cow's great agreed with me in Richmond. And then Luca and Noah have gone with you. They've gone to Brisbane. Yeah. So those are the qualifying finals. Now to the elimination ones. St. Kilda versus Western Bulldogs at the Gabba, um, Saturday afternoon. The Saints' first finals campaign since 2011. And the Bulldogs, can they go all the way from 7th again, like they showed in 2016? Um, They'll certainly be hungry after that disappointing game against the Giants to get eliminated last year. Um, And there was some talk of Aaron Norton not getting up but he looks to go in to play with a helmet. So, who you going to... Another one you're not really sure about?
1: Yeah, it's not. It's... St Kilda absolutely flogged the Dogs in what, round two just after the restart. Um, But yeah, they're a completely different side now. But... I'm going to I'm going to go St Kilda here. They've looked they were pretty good against West Coast a couple of weeks ago and they've maintained their top eight spot where the dogs have sort of had patches. Mm. So I'm going to go the Saints. I have to disagree.
0: I'm I'm going to go on the uh I've tipped all the away teams so far and I'm mm. yeah, keep that up. I think the Bulldogs um that uh, they're going to be very, very hungry. I know Marcus Bontempelli spoke during the week. They're going to come out very hard and, and aggressive. So I'm going to go to the Bulldogs. But I think it will be a very good game. Yeah, it will. Um, yeah. And Cal's gone the Bulldogs. Lucas gone the Bulldogs. And Noah has gone St. Kilda. Yep, Smart, Noah. And then West Coast versus Collingwood at Optus Stadium. Tickets to this game sold out immediately. Um, it'll be the largest crowd of the football game this year. The finals rivalry in recent years is set to continue, and um, we all know what happened last time these teams collided—a sixty-six point thumping to the Eagles. Um, Kennedy kicked seven goals, and remarkably, him and jo- uh, Jeremy McGovern will uh, play, certainly play, according to Adam Simpson. Yeah, well, you hope so. So they've uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago they said they'll note. Uh, I know McGovern was putting a red line through him for the first week of the finals. Yeah, well.
1: This is one that the Eagles should get over comfortably, in my mm. opinion. Um, obviously, I have a pretty good record against Collingwood at the at Optus, except for the last year in that Friday night game where they lost yeah. by a point, I think it was. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, the Eagles will be hard to beat with how many people are allowed in Optus. Have we, oh, yeah, have we gone above 30? They're trying to push to 35,000. Yeah, well, we should. Um, if we, They're basically all sitting next to each other anyway, so... It's not like it really matters, but, yeah, Eagles sh- should win this by, t- I'm going to go f- 20 points, roughly, even though we're not doing a margin, mm-hmm. but that's how yeah. much they should win by. I'm, fi- I'm
0: finally on the same page as you. I think uh, the Eagles will uh, win. Cowell's Cal a Collingwood supporter. He's backing his boys. He couldn't get... He's a bit uh, devastated. He couldn't uh, get... He's a member, but he couldn't um, get to the game due to uh. some circumstances, which I'm not... F- uh, fully aware of um, <laughs> but Luca's gone the Eagles surprisingly and uh no not surprisingly no noah has gone the Pies in that L- L- Luca
1: rates the Eagles at home this year He's, he said you guys have very done a very good job uh winning every single home game this year so well they they've, they've always a bit been jealous them. he was a bit jealous <laughs>
0: they've always been a good team at home haven't they yeah um and then the big one the Waffle Grand Final Claremont versus South Fremantle at Fremantle Community Bank Oval Again, it's another popular game here in Perth, um, with tickets going hot. Some talks of Claremont <laughs> using South Randall's rooms as they qualified first. Yeah. But um it, it's gonna be the, the way that it should be in the end. Um expecting a closer game than that semi-final. It's Claremont's first time in the big dance since twenty twelve and, and South Randall hoping to go one better, of course. Um, you know, twenty nineteen they were defeated by a, a very strong Subiaco outfit. Um Favourites for the Simpson Medal, you know, Jai Bolton, Kane Mitchell, Alec Waterman, Anton Hamp, Declan Mountford, and then for the Bulldogs Hayden Schloyth, Jacob Dragovich, Jacob, Jake Florenka, those two guys did well in the sandover, and probably the Bernie Naylor medalist, um, Mason Shaw too. So you? Yeah. Who, who you who think? Uh
1: you know? I've gotta go
0: I'm gonna go Hayden Schloyt. So you're gonna a south win? No,
1: uh Yeah, i w- Oh
0: I mean, yeah, the Simpson medal can still get it in a losing side, but it is rare.
1: Yeah, well, we'll change it up actually. <laughs> Jai Bolton, Claremont. Claremont. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm <laughs> gonna. But talking about that change rooms, the change rooms, right? Claremont beat South Fremantle two weeks ago at the same ground, and though South had their change rooms, why not leave it the same <laughs> and hope for the same outcome? That you had two weeks ago, they're in the same rooms. So why don't you just go back it again? I know that they want to take <laughs> them out of their comfort zone, but <laughs> if you if you did it two weeks ago, why don't you do it again mm-hmm. the same way?
0: I'm gonna claim one as well. Uh, it's hard to go past Jai Bolton for, for the Simpson medal. If he yeah. he just is, gets very noticed, um, always in the high disposals. Obviously, yep. he was on the show a couple of we- few weeks ago, and yeah, I think he'll. Uh, if they get up, he'll he'll get the medal. Um, Callan's gone Claremont. Alec Waterman, the the key forward. Um, many saying is the best player in the in the comp form wise at the moment and could get another shot on the Eagles list. Brother of Jake Waterman, of course. Uh, Luke has gone South Fremantle. Nick Subin, interesting selection there. And then Noah South Fremantle Hayden uh, Schloeth. So just a ben-
1: just a Fremantle tragic <laughs> Luke Vinning is going for <laughs> a, former a former former Freemantle Fremantle player, yeah. hundred and fifty
0: yeah. gamer. Um, That's going to do us for for part one, but um, if you're waiting patiently for uh, Courtney Dempsey, you'll hear him after this. With us down the line now, pick 19 in the 2005 National Draft, 133 games with Essendon Bombers from 2006 until 2016, kicking 35 goals. That's because he was a defender. Courtney Dempsey, welcome to the Centre Square Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Always, mate. Thanks, Thanks
2: for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks, thanks very much for taking a call. It's um much appreciated. So to start us off, um, bringing you all the way back, um, you grew up in Cairns before moving to Brisbane to play for the Kenmore Bears in the juniors. Um, while attending Brisbane Boys' College, were you always an active sort of kid, um, outgoing? And and when did you start to fall in love with the the game of Australian rules football? Yeah,
2: um, like I said, I, I grew up in Cairns, and obviously. Queensland itself is, is predominantly predominantly uh, NRL state, and um, I, I grew up playing NRL long before I even uh, knew AFL existed. Um, and yeah, sort of through through high school, I only started playing AFL and and enjoyed it. And I played a bit of both, but um, yeah, moved down to to Brisbane, went to Brisbane Boys' College for a year, and and played. At the Kenmore Bears for a year and then um, stayed another year in in Brisbane and played at uh, the Morningside uh, Panthers and um, yeah I was was playing alongside um, a few other ex-AFL players now but Gavin Urquhart who played for North Melbourne and um, David Armitage who was um, at St Kilda for a while as well you know so I had um, a pretty good uh, relationship with both boys and, and uh, obviously, you know, uh, the love of the game sort of grew once I moved away to, to
0: Brisbane to play. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's what happens with most people. It sort of just grows and you get more passionate as you go on. So,
2: Yeah, of course.
1: Um, you were snapped up in the first round by Essendon in the 2005 draft. How well do you feel that you settled into being a full-time professional athlete and were you pinching yourself uh, with the guys like Matthew Lloyd and James Hurd around you as well as one of the most regarded coaches of all time, Kevin Sheedy?
2: Um, yeah, f- f- funny you should ask that because when I got drafted, um, they said, oh, you're going to Essendon. I had to ask uh, my manager where Essendon was, so I had no idea who Essendon was, uh, where they were, um, and... Um, who the players were at the time. Like I I, I, I even though I was playing um, AFL I was still very much focused on, on rugby league and watching rugby league. I grew up watching NRL and grew up watching the likes of you know Johnson Thurston and um, Darren Rockier play so um, they're the players I sort of only, not, only knew and, and uh, I yeah but, but you know, going into the club and figuring out and finding out how big uh, Essendon actually are and who the likes of, you know, Matthew Lloyd, James Hurd and um, Kevin Sheedy were, uh, you know, you sort of definitely get a, a, a big buzz out of it and, and, and you sort of pinch yourself wondering if this is real, um, if I am in um, the same room as, as, as those people. Um, but, but, yeah, once you get into the swing of things, um, you you quickly realise that that it's not about that anymore. It's about uh, football and and training.
0: Yeah, you are right. They are sort of legends. But um, was there a certain point when you thought, um, you know, okay, I might have made it in this league? And and when did you know your position of playing was that run of half-back sort of role in defence? Yeah,
2: it's funny. I I only played, I think I only played a, a couple of games Threw up my juniors in the back line um, and and you know coming off the half back but um, it was yeah it was I think Kevin Sheedy in in, in the last game in 2006 um, halfway through the game he, he sort of just um, to me you we need to put you on a on a certain player that was that was um, doing really uh, doing really well at the back line so they wanted me to just um, stop him from getting the ball and and try and get the ball as much as I can and when I had that sort of freedom it was yeah I had a lot of fun and enjoyed it and uh, um since she'd put me back there I never, never looked at another position um I mean I did look I did look at another position but none of the coaches enjoyed that they enjoyed me in the back line so um yeah it, it was probably my first year I guess um and, and and obviously,
0: the second and third years after that. Mm, yeah, it's funny how I just get putting that for like one game, as you said, and then you, you never look back.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it's very big. You know, this, this, uh, back then you you've always you were always grateful for getting a game, regardless where you played. You didn't you didn't sort of chuck up a stink? You you worked you worked your ass off in that position to help the team out, and, and um, you know you never said. Never said what, um or why. You just went, All right, I'll do that and you did it to your best ability and, and um it it's definitely changed. Um a lot of kids are already coming into the game saying they want to play predominantly here and want to play predominantly there and you know, the game evolving where you have to play in multiple positions now and you can't be just stuck at one one end.
0: Mm. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, 16th, 12th and 12th again is where the Dons finished on the ladder in your first three seasons. How frustrating was it to suffer a leg stress fracture in 2008?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, it, it was frustrating. I had a, I had a, a, a pretty good year um, through that, the start of the year and then I think it was just after mid-season break um, I happened to... Uh, Break the leg and and um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't good. And obviously, was in the moon, moon boot for about a month and so, and, and then um, and then another month without it. So yeah, it was it was a bit frustrating. You know, I, early earlier in my career, I was injury um, riddled, and you know, um, you know, soft tissues were the main issue, um, but. Uh, I got ahead of those and then once I got ahead of those um was all the impact injuries like the broken leg and the, the punctured lungs and the ACL so um, mm. you know it's it, it, uh, it's it's hard but like, like everyone says it's part of the game it's a contact sport you got to sort of expect those um, outcomes every now and then but um, just the way you, you handle it uh, away from the the field away from Um, everything
0: else is is how you're going to succeed. Yeah, you're right. It is is one of the most um, brutal sports. But following on from that, you snuck into the 8 in 2009 off the back of knocking off the Saints. I think Nick Rewalt missed a shot after the siren. Um, And then (laughs) you beat the Pies in a classic Anzac Day match. Did you treat these games Essendon as just another game? You know, it's a a common phrase used, just another game. And describe the eruption um, after the David Zaharakis goal.
2: Oh, uh, look, a- everyone will say it's just another game because, um, I don't know, they're probably getting paid to say that now, but uh, uh, I've, I've always, and and every single time we've sort of played, you know, you had the likes of James Hurd dominating in those particular games because it is what is needed, and, and, and you know, a lot of people rise to those occasions, and, and it's and it's, you know we we play really really well and we have been playing really really well against um, Good, oh, well, rival teams such as Carlton and Collingwood anyway. So you know it's just those um, those games you always do get pumped up. Um, I don't, I can't say much about today's team. Um, I don't know what the you know, thank them and how they how they treat games, but you know um, a lot of us back in the days hated. You know, hated losing and and um, really, really tried to to push each other to to be better and to win. Um, but yeah, the so, Anzac Day is always a um, massive game for for the likes of me. I can only speak for myself, really to say, to say the least. But, you know, um, Anzac Day uh, and the Dreamtime at G have been probably my biggest. Um, games that I've, I've sort
1: of ro- rose to and enjoyed playing in. Mm. Yeah, in round four of 2011, you probably did the worst injury in AFL football it can do, an ACL where you required a reconstruction. Uh, this must have been a real challenge to come back from.
2: Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, I think we uh, it was a, a very rare occasion too that... Um, Two players on the same team did it in the same game, five minutes apart. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Winderlich done his down one end, and then literally after that ball up, he after he jumped, uh, went off. He uh, the ball up went, and then come back down um, down to the back line and I I end up doing my knee. So, um, I think we made the record book. Therefore, I think the second time someone done two knees in one game on the same team something like that there um so, you know it's uh I'm in the record books but for all the wrong <laughs> reasons <laughs> and it's not not enjoyable but yeah, it was tough um I, I didn't know what to expect because obviously it was the first time I've done something like that there obviously the doctors and um and physios all, all knew what to expect and what was expected and stuff like that there. but yeah i think I think what helped me as well was the fact that <laughs> Winderley did do his knee at the same time, so we both did our recovery and and um, rehab together and and really worked and pushed each other along really and and that's what helped, helped me and probably him mentally um, through that through that dip of injury
0: mm. so something you frequently would get asked about. I imagine, is uh, when you were called for playing on after the sign from umpire Dean uh against the Swans in 2012. Obviously, you didn't know the exact time, but you know you knew you had to go quickly. Should he have let you have the shot um, beyond the 50? I
2: think he should have let me have the shot. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that every player would have said that. Every player would have said, I think he... Um, I think you should have let me have a shot, but yeah, look my my intention was to get it in there long quickly because I knew there wasn't there wasn't very long to get um to get the ball in there, so um yeah, so I don't know I just thought that they would probably hold up and at least give a give a chance, but you know, um it is what it is now, and uh probably. Probably would have kicked it too. I reckon. <laughs> I'm just putting just putting that out there. But uh, it, yeah, it was, just, it, was, it was tough. It was, it was shocking. And um, sometimes I I get annoyed with people asking me out in the streets. Or, or you know, they they're like, "Oh, you shouldn't have played it on. You shouldn't have played." <laughs> well, yeah, it's easy said than done. But you go out there
0: and see if yeah. you can do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, exactly. You didn't know the exact time. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know, they, they can see it on the TV, but we can't see it. We, we don't mm. see any time, so we don't know um, how long it is. And by the time the runner comes out to tell you what, how how much longer there is, it's, it's all over. It's already been 30 seconds by the time they come out to every mm. player. So, you know, um, but, yeah, uh, it, it, was, it was tough, tough call. I say, you know, I did move off the line um, to kick the ball, but, uh, yeah... It
1: was tough, it was tough. Mm, yeah, it would be. Yeah, so... We were
2: definitely happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, the supplement saga is very well documented with the 34 players penalised. Did you feel uh, angry that you may not have known entirely what was occurring, and do you have sympathy for Joe Watson getting his brownlow stripped? And what uh, coaches James Heard, Bomber Thompson, and even John Worsall had to face?
2: Yeah, um... The more frustrating thing about it is the fact that nothing has been proven. Everything's just been about hearsay, he, um, he say So, you know, it, it, it's it's frustrating to say the least about how SADA went about the whole investigation. Um, you know, they they had no no evidence, no nothing um, on us. Even even after being tested and, and going through all the rigorous testings that they gave us, you know, um, it was still unknown what you know what evidence they had on us. So they had no evidence. We were, we were basically um, guilty until proven innocent. So we had to we had to prove our innocence, which was you know the way. No, I don't. I don't think any court goes that way. So. It was very, very frustrating, and that's why I don't, I I don't believe people, people like James Heard, even Joe Watson Brownlow shouldn't have been taken off him because there's nothing to prove that he didn't deserve it. Mm. Um, And you get, you get so many other players that are and have been known for using listed drugs still hold their Brownlow medals. Mm. You know, you got the likes of. Ben Cousins still holding his brown light, knowing that he's been on illicit drugs throughout um, his career, so you know, if if they're going to do that, then I think they should be throwing John axe down on a lot of other players that are, and have been um, convicted of other sort of offences but yeah it's very frustrating and and I feel I definitely feel for, for Joe, but for me, he's the twenty twelve Brownlow medalist, not mm. Sam Mitchell or um, Trent Cotchen. Um And that's the only way I look at it. I, I don't don't care um, if anyone tries to argue with me. Um, I, I think Joe Watson is the twenty twelve Brownlow medalist.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because we had Corey DeLoglio, um, former aston player. He's pretty, yeah, he's pretty much said everything you touched on. How you know it was frustrating and it was you know a bit. Unfair, but um, you came under a bit of hot water for a dangerous tackle on Brett Delidio in 2015. Was it hard to, uh, to cop criticism for this, considering you didn't have a, a bad tribunal record? Yeah, um, it
2: was it was an interesting um time then when I when I uh done the sling tackle on Brett Delidio, and yeah. It looked I think they they try to make a um, yeah they just try to make a thing out of of, of my tackle so it didn't uh, continue on through the rest of the the league but you know um, how the uh, tribunal goes they're that inconsistent it's not funny there's no reason I don't even know why there is a tribunal these days because they're that inconsistent um. With their rulings on, on everything, not just the sling tackle, but but everything. So, uh, yeah, I think they were just, it was just, yeah, they were trying to make a, um, a, a thing uh, out of me, and yeah, basically, it was frustrating. I caught more criticism for the tackle more so um, than anything, and obviously, one of those was really um, hateful uh, criticism. Um and then obviously there's others that were just passionate supporters, richmond supporters, and um didn't like the tackle on one of their their beloved sons and you know within two years he left them anyway so <laughs> um, but yeah uh yeah it was mixed It was mixed emotions for me in a sense of I wasn't really worried about um the four weeks it was more the, the criticism and in
0: particular that one um criticism that i got yeah the, the mrp is pretty inconsistent though because they don't look at the um they don't look at the action they look at the outcome you know what i mean so they don't like it's a bit um you know not really correct to be honest no nah, and they
2: and they look at
0: who's done it mm, they, yeah, look at yeah the name as well
2: yeah so it's it, it's very, yeah. It's very inconsistent. That I've, I've, I, I don't even watch football anymore. I've given up on the game because the umpiring inconsistent, the match review panels inconsistent, and the AFL heads are inconsistent as well. So, you know, when it when it stems from up top, obviously everything else is going to be inconsistent, and and the game is just running that way. You know, the the game running so inconsistent that, you know, people say the game's changing, it's, it's yeah, it's just very, very different.
0: So you're not going to watch the grand final?
2: No, I haven't watched the grand final for a while. Really? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, um, yeah, I
0: haven't really
2: watched the grand final, i watch the NRL grand final more than I do AFL.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, I even attended that um, one of the NRL grand finals. Mm. But I mean, that that was my team that um, that was in there and won it. So you know, um, yeah. I wasn't going to miss that for the world.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Was that the Cowboys yep. yep, yep, Broncos game? Yep yeah, that was a
2: Cowboys um, Broncos game. Yeah, the best grand final I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Would have been uh, crazy, absolute scenes. Yeah, that, it's one of the only NRL oh, games was. I've watched, and I can always recall to that. That was a great game.
2: Yeah, I think everyone recalls that game. If they're not a fan, they always go back to that was the best game they've ever watched, and they're not yeah. even rugby league fans. Some of them, so <laughs> yeah. you
1: know,
2: it shows how good that game was. And it was, it was unbelievable. Being there was even better. Um, yeah. So I was glad I was uh, able to witness that up close and personal. So yeah, it was good.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, 2016 was never going to be easy, still with a lot of top-up players. Uh, there was some rival clubs interested in you as you were still 29 at the time, uh, but your time did come to a close. Uh, you said you felt bitter and didn't know where to turn to next, but not winning a premiership, does that burn inside, or are you still proud of your career? Yeah, definitely not
2: winning a premiership. Um Definitely does burn inside, oh, especially around the saga when we were really, really playing good, consistent footy, and, and we looked like we were going to um, really take to the competition. And, and um, you know, it, it felt like our our opportunity then got stripped away from us from the from you know the drug saga and the and, and the AFL. And it just ruined everyone's everyone's career or ability to, to push and strive because every single time we look to, to to be really good, we get shot down not just not just by the AFL and the but even the media. The media had a lot of play in it. You know, um, a lot of people talk about their man- mental capacity um, in in. Professional sports, and you know, when you get ridiculed over and over again by newspapers, data the AFL, you, you tend to um, find it very hard to, to fight back and go go back at them. Um, and it, it does play a, a massive toll on 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 your mind.
0: Yeah, and that I think so. Essendon, you guys were put out of the finals, I think. Carlton went up to ninth uh eighth from ninth and then they won a uh a, um elimination against Richmond, didn't they? Yes, I think that's mm. correct, they did.
2: Yeah. In Richmond and um uh yeah, it was frustrating to Yeah. I think we could've we could've really pushed competition then and um and really gave it to them.
0: Mm yeah absolutely so since then um you've developed a passion for helping out in the community becoming a role model for the indigenous and uh you know always encouraging people to speak out what have these four years been like for you in um participating in events such as the long walk also
2: yeah i've been i've been doing that throughout my career anyways going into the community only only obviously here in melbourne uh, working with the communities here and, and working with the young Indigenous kids and and, and the non-Indigenous kids as well. But um, And also, obviously, with the Long Walk and Michael Long, having that connection with Darwin and, and the Tiwi Islands, I've, I've gone up there many times in the off-season and, and worked with a lot of kids and a lot of communities up there. And, you know, I really um, push to, to help the the next generation, not, not with sports, I, I try and encourage a lot of the kids to get the education and to get the better ed- education because football's not around forever. Um, you know, some people, I think the average uh, football lifespan is is four years, four to five years. Um, so that's not very long when you think about it. You get into a system, and you're 17, 18, you come out, you're 23 so or 22 and, um, you know, it, it's you still got a massive chunk of your life to go. Um, so I try and get into into the kids and, and work in the communities and work with the schools in the communities and, and, and help the, the kids with a better education and, and help them strive for something different other than just football. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think only 17% of players go on to play 100 games, which obviously you did with uh, 133. Um, so we've got some Q and A's for you now, Courtney. Um, as we alluded to before, from various yep. various accounts across the socials. Um, yeah, big thanks to you, Courtney, for putting on your Instagram. Um, and yeah, we are uh, we ask you guys to keep following them through on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. With uh, only a few more footy episodes left, so there's a few uh, Essendon fan accounts. Um, obviously they were pretty happy with um how you how you contributed to the club. So this one's from Essendon Analysis. Uh... Was that rainbow flick against Gold Coast an accident, or did you try to do it?
2: <laughs> uh, I was waiting for one of that, that questions. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It, it came off um, sweet. Uh, I, I when it fell down, I went to kick my leg to flick it up, but it just came off sweet, more sweeter <laughs> than what I expected. Um, because what I wanted to do was just flick it up and then go back for it. But since it came off sweet, I just kept running, and um, so it was a bit of a boat, bit of both, you know. I I just hope for the best, and it came it came off very sweet. Mm. Yeah, difficult. it sure the did. Only, it. The only disappointing thing was it wasn't wasn't classed as two touches. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think I think went 15 meters. It should have been a mark, and, a, and yeah, play on top, <laughs> <you> <laughs> the whistle should Touching. have been blown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, next one's from essen.hq dot HQ. Who was the most annoying teammate? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, probably Alwyn Davey. Um mm. Alvin Davey would just just nitpick at you and, and, and just be the most annoying annoying little rat bag at a football club. But I mean he he would probably have to be because he, he is one he was one of the tiniest tiniest uh blokes there, so the only way he could uh, get back at someone is just uh, with his smart little mouth and, and annoyance that he has, um, but yeah, it, it, we we always used to play pranks on a lot of a lot of the teammates, especially the, the first year players. Um, but yeah, um, it, it'll be it'll be yeah it'll be a toss up between Patty Ryder and. and uh, and uh, Alan Davy, mm.
0: sure. Big Paddy's are still going strong. Um, this one's from dot Home, pretty broad sort of question, but they want to know favorite moment in the red and black. Favorite
2: moment? Yeah. Um, uh I think mean probably playing uh, my first my first game. Obviously, my debut game in round or seven against Carlton um, in 2006. That was probably my, my um, favourite moment. Um, my biggest moment probably would be Anzac Day game and, and uh, that uh, 2009 Anzac Day win.
0: So, yeah. Mm, yes, would have been uh, very special. But the next one, so Essendon.es... Underscore FC, Essendon Nation, Davos, 14, Volavi, and Ben Colson, 23. They all have similar questions, so we've just put it into one. Um, you mentioned you didn't watch much footy, so but so this could be uh, interesting, but what is um, why is Essendon not having success? What do they need to, to improve and become a top eight side, and what's your honest opinion on a possible exit um, with, you know, a lot of talk about players leaving? Um...
2: That's a tough one, because, you know, um, considering what Washer got handed um, with jumping into the role, it was very tough. He, you know, come along with 40 or 30-something new, new players that knew, that we all knew that were going away straight away that, that year, so... Um, but I, I think the trade table. We need we need bigger midfielders. Um, someone that can sh- extract the ball, give it out to our runners. Um, when you look at other teams, you see you see midfielders that are six foot, six foot four, six yeah. foot five, and and have explosive speed. Where our midfielders are very very small. They do have explosive. Be but they're just they're just not big enough anymore, and and we need to start yeah. looking for those type of players, and and maybe maybe even just look for footballers instead of athletes now, mm. um, because it's starting the the tides are starting to turn where the skills are lacking, and all they're worried about is kilometres. When you know, there's no point running two kilometres for two touches when you can run uh 500 meters and get five five touches you know so um and I I don't, I don't really want to talk about it, what players to get rid of but you know um we need we need <clears throat> to get rid of value players or, or valuable players to gain you know maybe two not so valuable players yeah um but that will be just as good in the long run so mm. it's It's interesting how this off-season is going to go, but, um, yeah, we've got to sort of try and um, trade as hard as we can and and, uh, look look for for the future, not next year, not two years, but maybe three years down the track, because you've got to try and look at building the team around the lifestyle, McGrath... um, and and zach merritt which zach merritt's only got probably five six years left too so you know when he gets old once he gets to his um back end of his career he'll be rare and ready to go so yeah. you know he'd build a club around them um he'd be able to knock on the door at least for yeah. i yeah. think
0: I think they should target someone like a Tim Taranto from GWS because he's been linked to some Victoria clubs and he's only, you know, young, 22, 23. Yeah, I think I
2: St think Kilda are looking at him. Mm. So, um, the only problem is now he'll be asking for a lot of money and I yeah. don't think we have that in the salary cap. So, that's why we sort of, we, we need to be on the trade table where um, you, you, you get rid of some, some valuable players, but... Game two really good players, you know, it, it's, it's going to be just as good. The value in the in the long run is going to be just as good.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think Basha is also um, could be linked to the Bombers as well. I know he's 32, so it'll be
1: interesting to see, to see how that plays out. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah,
2: that
1: is interesting. Alzine, <laughs> 2008, I think it is. Sorry if I got it wrong. Uh, were there any times you thought on quitting the AFL apart from your retirement?
2: Um, Yeah, obviously through the the drug saga I felt um, 2014 and 15 I didn't really Enjoy it anymore Um, Didn't like The game I didn't like um, The the way everything was going So yeah, probably that's the only time Um, Before that I was, you know, I'd be down and out, but I had I had um, my family there to help me and and obviously my mates at the football club that sort of spurred me on and, and pushed me through and helped me out and uh, that's what uh, gave me that extra kick and the extra strength to, to push on. But, yeah, probably my worst time would have been th- throughout mm-hmm. that drug saga.
0: Yeah, okay uh, And this last one From Essendon Analysis What do you do To keep the beard So nice?
2: <laughs> to keep the beard So nice? Mm. Um, I've got A few oils um, From the milkman He He uh, Had given me Some oil And some um, Some beard combs So You know I was, I was keeping that Very nice And uh, Moist uh, with the with the beard and and looking shiny and um, I, I, I end up getting rid of it because it kept getting caught on my shirt every time I tried to take the jersey off.
0: <laughs> yeah, and
2: it jerked my neck and it was hurting my neck more than it was anything else. So, um, but yeah, uh, the milkman you can go check him out on um, Instagram. He's um he's he's got he's got a a, a wide range of oils and and um, creams and that there. So yeah. And uh
0: yeah and just for our listeners um quickly before we sort of wrap things up where can um I guess they find you on social media and uh, you know follow what you're doing
2: Yeah I'm just on, on um, Instagram Courtney Demps, um there and obviously I'm still working with the long walk so uh, you'll you'll see me in and around the traps at at, at the Aston Football Club and 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 at some functions um you know the long walk is is a part of, and, and um yeah, that's that's basically where everything is is placed as well, and and put on there, and um, yeah, it's just, yeah, Instagram is it really? I don't I don't use many of the other um, social media outlets. Not Facebook. Um, I, I I do have a Facebook page, yes, mm. um, and it's the same. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a like page and and I do have Twitter, but I just don't use it. Um, yeah. Very yeah. I get conf- I get confused with Twitter. You know, with being on Instagram all the time. You know, uh, I'm not <laughs> quite used to the the, the jargon that's on mm. on uh, Twitter. It's totally different and, and totally the opposite of, of what's on um, on Instagram. So yeah
0: yeah Twitter we're uh, just getting sort of used to that as well it's more you know for the uh journalists on news um when sort of breaking things sort of happen um but Courtney we've basically covered it all um I think that's where we'll finish off um yeah if there's anything else you really want to say you can go ahead but um other than that it's been great to have you on board the podcast today um we love the work you're doing so all the best um and hopefully this gets a, a good wrap yeah no worries mate thanks
2: thanks for having me there um to all the Essendon supporters, keep faith in, in the boys. I mean, you know, like everyone says, all that, that famous saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. So don't um, don't count the, the chips just yet. And, um, keep pushing and keep um, supporting the club. They'll, they will come through and uh, we just need the support as much as we can.
0: Yeah, that's the way. Um, yeah, it's got to fight through it thick and thin. But um, thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. No worries, mate. No worries. Thanks for
2: having me. Thanks, Courtney.
0: Catch up. See you, mate. See you, mate. That means we are at the end of uh, the show, Bray. We have another big guest locked in for next week. Um, All I'll say is the both clubs he played for, we haven't had a a player on ever who's been at those teams. Um, So there's the hint um, for anyone that's trying to figure out who it is. Um, But yeah, good episode Mm. again, Bray.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it was. uh, Can't wait for next week. Mm,
0: Big. uh, Yeah, we look forward to on the Centre Square Podcast from everyone here at 91.3 Sport FM, your football headquarters. What a weekend we have in store, the AFL finals, and the big one, the Waffle Grand Final. See you next week.